Welcome back to another episode of Balance Hormones, Balanced Life. You are listening to episode 87. And today we are going to dive into the topic of fibroids. I get this question quite frequently in my women's health and wellness group in regards to healing your body naturally through hormonal health. A lot of ladies are suffering from this. And it's quite interesting that more so in the African-American communities is there a rise of fibroid issues. So let's just face it, fibroids can be super annoying. It's one of the first diagnoses that women encounter often influenced during an annual physical exam when they are not even aware that they actually have them. And if you aren't treating them, they can grow and eventually lead to menstrual bleeding, pregnancy implementation issues, pain during sex, backaches, digestive issues. Although a lot of these are benign, meaning that they are not cancerous, they can rarely become cancerous. They can be quite frequently very frustrating. No one should have to suffer through any of these symptoms and sex should be a pleasurable thing, not something that is painful. So a lot of times women, again, are diagnosed with this. They don't know what to do when it comes down to it, and they aren't quite familiar with what it is. Um, it's pretty much, a, like I mentioned, a benign tumor that is developed in the uterus, and it can lead to painful and very heavy periods. Some cases, it can become quite large and problematic. Um, in those cases, those are the ones in which it becomes very hard for pregnancy implementation because if it becomes so large and the uterus is really no place for the baby to actually grow. Um, and most times it goes very undetected without any symptoms. So we're going to kind of dive a little bit more deeply onto how to treat them in a natural way. And if you are one of the millions of women that are actually affected by them, the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology estimate that the likelihood of actually developing them is quite high as high as 80% and for women between the ages of 40 and 50. And while some people might, or some women might experience uterine fibroids don't always have the discomfort, other symptoms can be very painful to the point in which they interfere with a lot of bodily functions. And they can also, as I mentioned, cause fertility issues as well. So fertility is something that you are trying to conceive a child and you are interested and in more on fertility health, you might want to check out to see if you actually have fibroids because that can be causing some of the issues that you have with infertility. Uh, the big thing is that this growth, this fibroid growth is stimulated by estrogen and progesterone, which means it's supporting optimal hormonal health. Um, we can effectively prevent actually having these things develop. So when it comes to treating them, most women end up opting for a combination of a surgical, hormonal, and lifestyle interventions. <clears throat> there um, are different sizes that they come in. They range greatly in size. They can be very tiny, like the size of a pea, or they can be so large that it causes a woman's midsection to protrude. Most of the time, fibroids grow in multiples. Oftentimes, women will have many of them in different locations and in different sizes. Um, the actual cause of them is not quite clear. Studies show that genetics can play a huge role. Other things are hormones, estrogen and progesterone are hormones responsible for stimulating the growth 
of uterine lining during the menstrual cycle, which may be the reason why fibroids tend to shrink when, when a woman stops ovulating and has a, a regular period, as in the case of menopause. These hormones created in the ovaries, but require your liver, your gut, and your kidneys to work optimally in order to eliminate any of the excess. We'll discuss this a little bit more further when we talk about natural approaches to fibroids, but knowing how to optimize the level of estrogen and progesterone are pivotal as with dealing with how to metabolize these hormones so that you can prevent having these fibroid growths or reduce them dramatically. The consensus is that estrogen and progesterone play a pretty big and significant role when it appears to excess testosterone. It may also contribute to the fibroid growth. So if you are postmenopausal woman and have not seen any diminish in your fibroids, um, it might be due to the fact that you have an, um, testosterone still in your system. It may also be because the fibroids are very large and it may take some time to shrink in the absence of elevated estrogen and progesterone. And just because you are postmenopausal and ladies out there, if you are going through the menopausal period, yes, your estrogen levels and your progesterone levels are going to go down. But if your progesterone is going at down at a higher rate than your estrogen levels, you can still have some of these symptoms such as fibroid growth. The other thing is, is that if you're having things such as xenoestrogens, which are found in a lot of your cleaning products, a lot of your detergents, um, a lot of your bath products and things like that, you can be actually, and even like stuff in such as plastics and things like that, that you're using to store your food, you can actually have an excess amount of estrogen. So what xenoestrogens are is it's a chemical compound that mimics estrogen. So even though you are in your uh, menopausal years, and yes, your estrogen levels are decreasing, if you have these xenoestrogens in your environment and you are utilizing them on a daily basis, it can cause your estrogen levels to increase at a higher rate than what your progesterone levels are decreasing, therefore causing you to have estrogen dominance even in your menopausal years, and causing you to have some of the symptoms that we described, such as uterine fibroids. Um, the other one that can be a cause of having them is the pill. And so a lot of doctors will prescribe the pill for numerous of things. Uh, preventing pregnancy is the most common, but also to regulate out your hormones. So your natural hormones can um, stimulate fibroids. And it makes sense that having synthetic ones will do the exact same thing. So recent studies show that a correlation between oral contraceptives and fibroid development, it was clear that hormonal levels really have a huge effect on fibroids. Estrogen and progesterone levels are both higher in fibroids and uterine tissue. So it's really, you know, looking at when you are taking any kind of oral contraceptive, whether it is to prevent pregnancy, whether it is to quote unquote regulate out your cycle, which really doesn't do that. And we could talk about that in a completely different episode. You really want to look at that if you are dealing with fibroids. That could be a cause of it. Another one is pregnancy. Now, a lot of ladies will experience having them during their pregnancy. Um, and getting fibroids developed in a routine ultrasound, they are noted 
that there are fibroids and nothing to be concerned about. Fibroids are actually a common occurrence in pregnancy. And for some women, they resolve postpartum. So you might want to take some extra steps to help resolve them, um, which we'll talk a little bit more in a moment on what those steps can be. So if you are pregnant like I am, you might find that you have them. Luckily so far, I haven't had any issues with them, but I am coming up in a couple of weeks on another ultrasound. So maybe at that point in time, they might actually show up. I'm hoping that they don't, of course, because nobody wants to have fibroids. Um, but again, if you have them during your pregnancy, you know, know that there are some ways that you can decrease your, your risk um, and decrease them, the amount of the growth. But for the most part, they will possibly clear up after you had your child. So postpartum times, you will see that they will start to go away. Um, so what are the symptoms of fibroids in the uterus? They can range a lot. <laughs> Just like they can range in size, the symptoms can range a lot. Some will report having absolutely no symptoms and other ones will have a whole slew and a degree of different types of symptoms. In addition to transitioning into menopause, you might experience new or increasing in the size of your fibroids. Fibroids are small enough they can shrink in postmenopausal years. So that's a nice thing to know about if you have small ones. If you have larger ones, it might not necessarily shrink, so you might need to take some extra steps. Um, some of the symptoms that you might experience, if you do experience any of them at all, depending on you know your individual bodies, everyone's different. It could be heavy periods, bleeding in between periods, prolonged periods, feeling of fullness in the abdomen, bloating, pelvic pain, lower back pain, painful sex, need to urinate frequently. Again, not when you're pregnant because pregnant ladies urinate quite frequently and I know that for sure because I'm constantly going to the bathroom. Difficulty urinating, constipation, fatigue, and fertility issues. Another most common complaint that women have that leads to diagnosis um, is extremely heavy periods, bleeding in between cycles, or unusually long periods. So if you start to see these changes in your cycle, this can be a symptom, especially when there is um, a change to a normal flow. So if all of a sudden you change your cycle and you are um, went from bleeding um, a lot more than normal, then it can be an indication of fibroids. So if you were like a light bleeder and now you're becoming more heavy, more frequent, then it could be an indication that you have some kind of fibroid issue. Another one is feeling full, right? A fibroid is a growth of significant size. Often women will complain that they have a lot of pressure, um, of fullness in their abdomen akin to having a baby in there. I know how that feels because as I'm recording this right now, I feel a lot of pressure in my lower abdomen right underneath my belly button. And I know that's a baby and not necessarily a fibroid or knock on wood, let's hope it's not a fibroid and just the baby moving around. Um, if you know you are experiencing a strange sensation of fullness in your stomach or insane amount of bloating that just won't seem to go away, it, don't ignore that intuition. Please, please, please go have a look, check out with your doctor. Please ask them to do a scan to see if you have fibroids. Uterine fibroid pain is another common symptom of fibroids. Women with this condition may experience significant amount of pain in their back, their abdomen, and the pelvis, and it might be actually the cause of having very painful sex. 
There's a wide range of sizes and symptoms. Women also experience a wide range of pain dealing with the fibroids from something that could be dull sensation to something that could be stabbing or throbbing sensation. Having issues going to the bathroom, depending on the location and size of the fibroids, women might just develop problems going to the restroom. Fatigue is another one. Extreme menstrual bleeding can often have a huge toll on the body, causing you to lose a lot of blood, will have be severe enough amount of blood, can cause anemia, which will mean that you are going to be extremely fatigued. I know because I'm anemic, and a lot of times I'm very, very fatigued. Other symptoms of anemia include shortness of breath, headaches, dizziness, cold extremities, chest pains, irregular heartbeat, and pale skin tone. The other thing about it is that you might also experience an increase in amount of anxiety because if you are having extreme menstrual bleeding, a lot of times women report that they have an increase in amount of anxiety. Your body is kind of going into panic mode because it's losing a lot of blood and naturally it will go into a somewhat of a panic mode causing you to have excess amount of anxiety. Um, you might also be having a hard time conceiving. Statistics show that five to 10 cases of fibroids uh, of cases of infertility, fibroids are to blame because of that. It does not mean that in most incidents, fibroids don't affect fertility. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen all the time, but you might want to check that out um, because that can be a barrier for you to actually be able to conceive. Uh, I know quite a few ladies who've had a hard time conceiving because a fibroid has been so big, about the size of a golf ball or up to the size of a grapefruit again, they're having a very hard time to conceive. If the fibroid is located in such a way that it affects the shape of the cervix or the uterus, it can possibly interfere with the mobility of the sperm. If the fibroid is blocking the fallopian tubes, that can be another issue. So you might be wondering, okay, I hear you out, Stephanie, but how do I know if I actually have them? How are they diagnosed? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can do, and most of them are non-invasive. So that's great for a lot of people. Pelvic exam, a regular pelvic exam, and I strongly suggest that you go and get them on a yearly basis. Um, although a pap smear is only recommended every three years, in some cases, it's important to meet with your doctor annually for an exam to discuss your health. Another one is a pelvic ultrasound. So this test you can typically um, is used for pregnant women, but providers can use a wand over the belly to look inside um, and to evaluate if you have fibroids. So if you are suggest if you are having symptoms, you might want to suggest to your doctor or ask your doctor simply, hey, can I get an ultrasound to see if there are any fibroid growths? Um, so a histosonogram, um, this is a form of imaging in which an ultrasound is performed. Well, saline is placed on the uterine cavity and allows the doctor to identify fibroids that may have not shown on a routine ultrasound and visualize them um, through that process. All right, another one is an MRI. So another type of imaging device that is by far the most effective in differentiation between fibroids and other conditions is having an MRI. It is useful for identifying the location and the size of the fibroids. However, due to the cost, is often reserved for surgical planning. So again, if you want to reduce the amount of cost, look at your symptoms, talk to your doctor about getting some of the other um, exams before you go and take that next step to get an MRI. 
usually that's in the case of like, yes, we have figured out that you have fibroids and now we're trying to figure out the size of them so that we can have them removed. Um, so you might be wondering, what about blood tests? Often women experience blood loss due to fibroids, sometimes to the point of developing anemia. Uh, blood tests can be a helpful diagnosis tool in the instance of understanding your hormonal levels, but a blood test cannot actually diagnose whether you have this or not. You actually need to get a pelvic exam to figure that stuff out. So how do you know you are at risk? Some of the things are family history, high levels of body fat, and a vitamin D deficiency. And the other thing is that, um, you know, you might be wondering, again, those ladies out there that are dealing with fertility issues, you might be wondering, are fibroids interfering with your pregnancy? In many cases, women who have very tiny one of them, fibroids can get pregnant and have no problems whatsoever. But if your fibroids are larger, they can cause issues in pregnancy and delivery. Sometimes they interfere with the implantation process, as we talked about, and the endometrium, which makes it very difficult to get pregnant. They can also be responsible for a miscarriage or preterm birth. It's extremely important to talk to your doctor and let them know that you have some of these issues before you are trying to get pregnant. Um, the manner and method of delivery might be affected, for some of these ladies, in many cases, those that have fibroids might need to opt for a C-section rather than vaginal um, deliveries. So again, if you are looking to get pregnant, you want to look in, you want to actually check to see if you have fibroids. All right. So you might be wondering, okay, I hear you out, Stephanie. Now, how do I treat them? So these are some of the conventional methods. And then we'll talk about other methods to um, to go through a treatment thing. All right, so the first one is going to be surgical options. The size and location of the surgical, um, sorry, the size and location of the fibroid largely determines the recommended course of treatment. Worst case scenarios, a hysterectomy is performed. It's estimated that hysterectomies account for about 70% of fibroid treatments. So um, when are they actually, when is they, should they actually be considered having hysterectomy? When women are losing a lot of blood at a very fast rate and they're not responding to any other therapies. When women have not found success with less invasive therapies. When women are done having children and have significant symptoms such as bowel obstruction, pain, heavy periods, and uterine issues. When women have uh, done having kids and a risk of cancer or other diseases progression is going on. So then that's another reason to get something. Um, endometrial ablation is another one. Sometimes they aren't concerned with fertility. So patients may opt for having the ablation done, a procedure that effectively destroys the lining of the uterus and excessive menstrual bleeding that accompanies the fibroids then begins to cease. Another one is hormonal birth control. Certain medications can be used to manage symptoms and conditions. Some doctors may prescribe hormonal birth control, in order to attempt to regulate hormonal levels, administration. And again, I talk about this a lot. A lot of times that's not going to be the best solution. Um, it may actually contribute to actually having more fibroids. So you might not want to consider that. And while we're on the topic of hormonal birth control, such as contraceptive pills, another one would be like the IUD, particularly Mirena, which is a very popular one out there. And they can help manage the symptoms by releasing 
hormones into the body, which can help reduce the heavy menstrual bleeding associated with fibroids. As I talked about before, hormonal treatments are used to manage symptoms, but don't actually tend to affect the actual size of the fibroids. So you might want to do a little bit more research about Mirena um, and progesterone-based IUDs side effects before you actually go that route. So let's talk about how you can manage them or treat them in a natural way. The first one is to address estrogen dominance. So I talked about this a little bit before. It's really important that you talk to your doctor or look at what's causing estrogen dominance. And so some of the things that can cause estrogen dominance, and I highlighted it before, but I want to reiterate, is phthalates, xenoestrogens, food preservatives, high stress loads, poorer water quality, some types of birth control pills. Um, so all of these things can cause you to have estrogen dominance and therefore lead or is linked to having fibroids. Reducing estrogen levels and supporting your body's metabolites is key to overall health and treatment, treatment of fibroids. So as a naturopathic um, person myself, I always talk about really the importance of testing your estrogen levels and also looking at the corresponding metabolites, right? So you want to make sure that you know what your estrogen levels are, if they're elevated or not, and then that can let us know if that is an issue. To reduce estrogen, you have to eliminate it through bowel movements, and you need to support your metabolism and your liver. So things such as dim, broccoli, um, calcium, coniferous um, vegetables, fibrous things are all going to help you with addressing estrogen dominance. The other one is to look at your body composition and amount of fat that you have. Estrogen is stored in fat cells, all right? So why do we have excess fat around our hips and things like that, around our reproductive organs, in our breasts and in our hips? It's because fat is what's going to um, really help with creating those that estrogen that we need to have as a, as a woman. Men do not have this excess fat in these areas. They don't have excess fat around their chest. They don't have excess fat around their hips and their reproductive area because they're not having an increased amount of estrogen, but we do. So by to reduce excess amount of estrogen, you're simply going to reduce excess amount of body fat, right? Since estrogen is a key component of fibroids, it means that they are less likely to grow when you actually lose a little bit of body fat. Another thing is to eat a hormonally friendly diet. This incorporates tons of vegetables, fiber to help your body eliminate excess amount of estrogen. Um, incorporating inflammation reducing foods in your diet is always a good idea. Adding things such as turmeric, green tea, things such as that will be amazing for your diet and will be really great for your overall health and including your reproductive system. Another thing I love and recently have gotten back into, because it's been quite a while since I had this treatment done before, is acupuncture. Acupuncture is amazing. And if you haven't had it before or you're afraid of needles, don't worry. I'm afraid of needles and I still am able to get acupuncture. I'm getting them to help with the pregnancy symptoms that I'm de dealing with. 
excuse me, we do see excess amount of um, back pain. And so acupuncture is a minimally invasive treatment that can help with the reducing the amount of pain um, that is dealing with reproductive health. You can talk to your acupuncturist and see if they can assist you with the symptoms that are coming from your fibroids. It is amazing. I absolutely love it. Other things is to really incorporate things like digestive enzymes in between meals. That is really ideal and will help target fibroids and aid in the breakdown. Um, also doing a Mayan abdominal massage to release pelvic stagnation. And those are really great treatments that you can do for fibroids. So what happens if you don't get any treatment at all? So let's say you have fibroids and you decide, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not going to do anything natural. I'm not going to do anything surgical. I'm just going to hope that it goes away. If the fibroid is small um, and it goes untreated, the best case scenario is that nothing's going to happen at all. And you're going to go and continue throughout your life and you're not going to have any effects on your health. But if you're experiencing symptoms from them, it's best to work with your healthcare professional um, and your health coach such as myself to develop a treatment plan. And I work alongside with your doctor to really help create a plan for you to help you regulate out your hormones and reduce your fibroids. If it's left completely unchecked, they may grow in size and in quantity, making your symptoms a lot worse. And it's much more inconvenient to continue to battle with the symptoms that fibroids can have than to halt their growth altogether. So you ultimately want to make sure that you are going to get them checked and doing some form of treatment. Even if they are super small, you can reduce them altogether. If they are larger, you can reduce the size of them. It does not hurt to do something rather than nothing at all. This is not like ignore it and hope that it goes away kind of situation. That's not the case whatsoever. So make sure that you are doing something to support your hormonal health and to get your fibroids back in check. So if you want to learn a little bit more or want some natural remedies on how to do that, I do have some awesome um, teas that will help and tinctures that will help um, with reducing the size of fibroids and halting the growth of them. Uh, you can find those and I'm going to start posting them up in my Facebook group, Women's Hormonal Health and Healing. So I will leave that link in the show notes so you're able to go over there and actually be able to see or join the group and see those recipes. They're only going to be posted in there. So if you want to have the recipes, you do have to join my private Facebook group in order to get those recipes. And you can also reach out to me if you have any other questions about there. I did do a live a few weeks ago on estrogen dominance. So please take a look at that. And that is in the Facebook group. It's exclusive to those Facebook group members. So make sure you check that out and you join the Facebook group. It is amazing support system. Our group is constantly growing and I'm always in there helping out my clients in that group to really balance their hormones and balance their life. Thank you for tuning into another episode of this podcast. I will be back next week. So stay tuned for what is going to take place next week. And if you have any questions about hormonal health and wellness, 
please feel free to reach out to me. My email address is stephanie at stephanielopezgilmore.com. I will again leave that information in the show notes so you can easily reach out to me. I will see you all next week for another episode of Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life. Bye for now.